Some people come on our show to talk about blockchain tech. Some come on the show to discuss DeFi. Some are here to share their tokenomics and others want to talk NFTs. Among all the topics that can be discussed, today's guest wants to talk about all the things. We're pleased to welcome Lex Sokolin of Consensus back to the Republic of Bad Cryptopia to discuss many of the cool innovations happening in the space. You could say we're about to re-Lex. Get it? Relax. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Well, you can do it if you want to, when you want to listen to it, as we flex with Lex on episode number 553 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? Here we are. We are going to have flexes with Lex S. Oh, we are here to pump your blockchain up. We are here to pump your shit coin. <laughs> we don't do that here. Oh, that's right. We don't do that anymore around here. We, we never did that. We never did that around here. Because <laughs> we're not financial advisors. We are the blockchain blockheads, the crypto clowns, the DeFi DoFi, the NFT nerds. This is the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm Joel. That's Travis. Who are you? So the listeners of the show, oh. one of the people who've listened to us over 10 million times. Mm. Damn, that's solid. a lot of times. It is a lot of times. And some of you can call us. The number is 708 885-9030. We like to hear your voices just almost as much as you like to hear ours. You said some of them can call us. How do they know if they're on the list? Well, they just got that feeling. Okay, so if you've got that feeling, it means you either need to pee or you want to call us. Sometimes it's hard. I can't that feeling any longer. I'm I gotta call Travis and Joe. Yeah, call us for whatever. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us your feelings. Tell us your favorite way to prepare you know, a hamburger or bacon, um, especially bacon with a hamburger, whatever, you know, if you, if you came across a coin, you want to talk about, um, you know, we're, we're always good with feedback. And some of you have been calling in. I think in the future, we'll have to do a listener show and play a bunch of these because there's some really fun ones in the queue. What started out as shit coins has grown stronger. <laughs> you done? I guess I don't have another lyric. Mostly. Okay. Go go back and write that while I tell folks about Animoca. They're revolutionizing the gaming industry. Big, big hits. F1 Delta Time, The Sandbox, Quid, Crazy Defense Heroes, and more news coming out of them, it seems like, on a daily basis. Check out what they're up to. Animocabrands.com is the place that you can find it. And Trav, you know, it's uh, it's really cool when we welcome back somebody that we haven't spoken to in years. And it was... Um, January of 2018 that we last spoke with Lex. And at that mm -hmm. time he was with a different organization and uh, he's got a lot to say, many words. And now it's time for Lex on bad crypto. There it is. The final one, put it all together. We have a little jingle. There it is. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, just, Three and a half years ago, right here on this very podcast, we welcomed Lex Sokolin to the show. At that time, he was with Autonomous.com. 
and they fired his ass and said, get out, Lex. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now he's it's got so another hard job out there. It's, it's very consensus. difficult. Yeah. OK, they didn't fire you. You guys uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, fantastic to be here. Um, so you are now. So at that time, you were global director of fintech strategy at Autonomous Research, and uh, they got snapped up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was spending a lot of time on fintech and fintech research and a lot of time on crypto and blockchain. Uh, and Alliance Bernstein, which is a big asset manager, ended up acquiring uh, the autonomous like equity research business. And I didn't really want to go back to Wall Street um, and uh, looked around for something a lot more crypto native and landed at consensus about two years ago. You were wearing a, you know, a, a jacket last time we talked to you and now you're like in tie dye t-shirts and stuff. That's all I, I only had jackets. That was the only item of clothing I had. Very nice. You kind of got this Noel Gallagher vibe going now. You're like, all right, man, a minute. We're rock and roll. You're my wonder wall guys. You're my, you're my wonder wall here. Consensus is, is really good at techno. That's true. He, he's got this dad rock thing down. It's really good. Um, <laughs> I've been a big fan of Oasis for a long time. Uh, so, so tell us. So, you are now the head economist for decentralized protocols over there at Consensus. You were the head of global fintech there for a while as well. Also, you did. You were the, the CMO. Yeah, um, so you did a quite. Yes. You, you you came in and said, "I am here. Let's rock." Yeah, it's you know, it's it's saying yes and. Uh, but I think in in crypto, all this stuff, as you know, blends together. So. On the one hand, you're you're trying to figure out tokenomics, and you're trying to figure out how to stand up a project, and then you need to write some software and uh, package uh, DeFi instruments, and then it comes down to you need to market them. So I, there is just broader themes of community and finance and value that have been melted down together, uh, and I think the distinctions between them have in many ways gone away. We can tell stories about Robinhood. We can tell stories about GameStop or Dogecoin. Um, and so I, I touched a couple of different parts of the firm and it's, you know, going from 2019 to 2020 to 2021 has been a real, uh, a real adventure. It's amazing how quickly this industry evolves and moves on. And, you know, NFTs are blowing up right now. NFT, uh, DeFi was the darling until NFTs came along. And DeFi is still awesome. And now, of course, we've got DeFi's with NFTs, right? The two getting married. Um, let, let's, let's go to the future for a moment. What's the next big thing? And I'm not saying we're in a hurry to get there, but we're, what's the next love affair for the crypto community? Sure. Um, so the the venture capital bingo word is metaverse. You know, so if you say metaverse, you get funding. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of groundwork for the metaverse, which is, consists of a couple of different pillars. The first is people thinking about virtual reality or, or sort of video gaming or the Zuckerberg sort of Oculus stuff. That, and we, so, don't, we don't curse on this show, uh, yeah. Lex. You can't uh, say the Z word. That's, uh, yeah. That is very offensive to many of us. Uh, I think I've summoned him. I, I see him right behind you. Nerd. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, you know, so so there there's this conception of just the virtual world and what it looks like and how to be in it. And then separate and apart from that is social and what what social media and, and community really means these days. And you can't be on Twitter without seeing a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape or some other flag that people bought in order to signify who they are, right? So this is really, really interesting uh, in kind of a geeky way is that people thought you'd have um, decentralized identity on blockchains that you would upload your passport. But in reality, what's happened is that people have created avatars and created their virtual identity instead, right? So um, it's like waving a flag around for the tribe that you belong to. Um, and then the third thing is that you you do have digital economies and digital objects. And so you legitimately have things like land and clothes and loot and various faces that you can swap between and then uh, various things that are in your inventory that you can own on chain. Um, you know, and, and this is valued in, in the billions uh, these days. And so those three things combined are the, the seeds of the metaverse and uh, it's all converging together and DAOs and various community governance approaches and organizations are, are gelling together too, as well as all the tooling around it, right? So how do we come together? How do we uh, raise the money, spend the money, organize ourselves? How do we do this in a fair way that's transparent and tied to on-chain payments, uh, kind of, and so on and so forth. And anything touching these themes, uh, I think is very popular in crypto now. I know how we come together. Uh, we get Travis at karaoke. He did that song at a party last week. He does, he does come together really well. He's like, here, here come a little flat top. Yeah, that's true. I'll do a little bit of that sometimes. Thank you. Good, sir. Um, you know, so, so this, this space is, it's, it's really, when we had the last conversation with you, I mean, we're talking, you know, 2018, you know, ICOs, the crypto space, like, how much fun is crypto now? Like when we're talking DeFi and NFTs, like it's just a blast. Like, I think that's why it seems like NFTs is really ushering in a whole lot of, of new people into the crypto space, right? It just seems like people are like, wow, this space is so fun. Uh, and I want to be, how do I get a, be a part of it? Like it's, it seems like yeah. it's, the adoption is just growing like crazy now. That's exactly what they sound like. Um, there's a couple of things to say, which is, like, so in in a way for, for me, I'm excited to have joined Consensus and in a way locked out because we've got MetaMask as part of the family and we get to see what, um, how that thing grows, right? And two years ago, it had 200,000 active users and now it has over 10 million. Wow. And that's, that's psychotic. I mean, it's, that's so hard to do, you know, um, but you're doing it in a market that is just fantastically growing and in a, in a way that really makes people feel like you said, it makes them feel good. Like they want to be part of it. It's not um, you, you're not there because you're getting a payday loan from chime, right? You're not there because you're addicted to Robin hood gambling. Um, God bless all of that stuff. You're, you're there because it's, it's truly exciting to, to make things for people who are who are feeling really fresh and um, making beautiful things that are interesting, that are novel, um, and there's also this generational aspect that is uh, legitimately legitimately different. So, 
I'm, I'm an old millennial and, um, a lot of, a lot of NFTs, uh, and this like creator economy movement is generation Z and you can start seeing the shape of the type of economy they're creating. And it's, and it's just cool. It's, it's different. It's, um, it's dynamic. Uh, it's a lot more, it's a lot more bottoms up, you know, so not to get too idealistic, but there's like, there's a human dignity to how people's privacy and how people's data is treated. Um, and so it's, you know, I, I invite even the, the biggest skeptic to at least play around with NFTs to, to, to have a feeling of what it means like to directly engage with an artist or have an artist make something for you because you bought something from them and to really play that um, broader game of participation. I saw a meme. It's like what we thought 2021 would look like and, you know, flying cars and <laughs> all this good stuff. And what it really looks like is cartoons of apes and tigers and pudgy penguins and stuff like that. Uh, I want to go down this metaverse rabbit hole more because this is something I've, you know, been tracking for some time. Very early on, I bought some crypto voxels land, which of course is all sold out now. And we've got a Republic of Bad Cryptopia on it cool little bar that a guy built. I've got a Decentraland property that I haven't built on. I've got four sandbox squares. So you're saying the next run is this virtual real estate push. Is that accurate? I think it's an attribute of it, um, but I'd be wrong to be too specific and say it's about the land or- Well, you've got to have a place to put your stuff, right? But maybe it's all like, yes, uh, yes, you got to have a place to put your stuff. Uh, but right now, the stuff is happening in Discord. It's happening on uh, on Twitter. It's happening um, on like Crypto Blade video game or Axie Infinity, right? Like they're not exactly packaged as what a 90s movie would think the metaverse is but they are the same thing, which is we are <clears throat> building communities and economies together uh, online and they're anchored in digital systems. And so I don't, you know, I don't know if it's going to look like the 3d rendered stuff or something else, but any tooling or anything that touches this idea that we live online and that we have uh, ownership and property, and then we have markets and exchanges, and then we create for each other. And that it's about building for that world rather than building for the world that we're in, in the meat space. Um, I think that's, that's what becomes valuable, right? So like maybe investing in tools that help DAOs direct funds uh, is, is the answer. Maybe it's um, fractionalizing uh, Decentraland real estate, uh, so that communities can own really important parts of the world. You know, there's lots and lots of ideas, um, but I, I think they're all going to benefit over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and speaking of that, you know, you, you touched base on Axie Infinity and some of this other stuff. What do you think? You know, what are some of the trends that you're seeing around play to earn? You know, because we seem like that seems to be like this giant wave that's that's getting ready to crash on the shores. Right. People are starting to be aware of it. And a lot of these projects seem to be, you know, pop. And, you know, what are some of the projects that are interesting around play to earn you? And what are your, your thoughts on that whole space? Yeah. Um, 
I'm a person who overthinks things. Uh, so just uh, uh, advance warning. Um, I think that the meta communities around it are, are interesting, you know, so the guilds that are forming around helping people get uh, into play to earn. And I mean, it's weird. It's it, they're video game unions. Right. And, and uh, I think there will be more and more of this in the sense that like crypto's becoming very communal. Uh, it, it is hyper-capitalist and at the same time, it is, it is very communalistic. I'm not going to say it. it's not communism because it's on a capitalist infrastructure, but it's about kind of coming together and doing things together in a way that gives you as much power as a large monopoly, right? So there's like an anarchy tribal thing woven with uh, like a, um, a, a, a social cohesion kind of safety net thing going on. And so I think guilds and, and various DAOs are, are really important because uh, they're going to spread risk and they're going to get people up to speed. I think the other, and, and so you're going to have, you're going to continue to have lots of games that pay you real money, real money, meaning uh, money that is sufficient uh, to build a life on um, that, that are potentially better than minimum wage. In, depending on the jurisdiction, right? If you live in the Philippines, it's easier to earn more than the minimum wage than if you live, um, I don't know, in, in San Francisco. Uh, but nonetheless, most of the world can, can benefit from this. And then it starts to peel back into this idea of what a game even is, because as the world becomes more digital and as people in crypto spend time designing systems from scratch, economies, politics, laws, and so on. What starts to emerge is that all human interaction is really structured like a game. You know, the, how, we, how we go to school, how do we go to work is a game, status and signal and, and so on. Um, how the economy is structured and how that's governed and how people get into power is a game. And so it's just more and more of these designs uh, getting put into uh, into places that are more fun and then generate real value. And so, you know, I, I think there is a there's also going to be this redefinition of what play means away from like, oh, you're fragging a bunch of bros in Counter-Strike um, and instead into like the world is a game and there are different ways you can en engage with it based on who you want to help and what you find fun, um, you know, and, and it all has economic activity. Mm. Is it ready player one? Is that where we're heading? You think? Uh, I, I, I can't invoke, I can't invoke the Z again. Right. <laughs> As we just call it that the Z, the Z. The Z. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, yes or no. Is it going to be like Ready Player One? Um, I think it actually is. If I was thinking about this the other day, if you remember in Ready Player One, the villain was a corporation that was there was there was a like a CEO of a corporation that was trying to farm using the corporation for like the keys to the kingdom, and the hero was uh, like a, a regular kid or a wunder kid who. Um, 
like bottoms up outwitted the corporate boss who was trying to get the keys for the keys. And so to me, that is a story of decentralization, blockchain and open source versus uh, a metaverse that is run monopolistically in a more authoritarian way. So I think that it is Ready Player One, both bottoms up from you know the uh, uh, the the Web three side of the world trying to build a metaverse, and then in the similar vein, you know Google, Apple, Facebook will also be building their metaverse, um, and we'll see how the two crash into each other. The walled gardens are going to do their thing. So, how NFT geeky are you? Do you own a CryptoPunk or a Board Ape? Ooh, it's uh, I I don't. Uh, I would like to loser loser. Let's end this interview. Oh, my, He's a loser. My feelings, <laughs> um, my feelings. I would like to have those. Uh, I have some profile picture avatars, um, and I I actually I'm much more into um, generative art. So I own a bunch of art blocks pieces, and like I I collect more software code, abstract art than I do uh, the PFPs. So we're already seeing so many generative projects. You know, our other show is the Nifty Show. We cover this space religiously, and uh, we're you know not only covering the space, but we're creators and we're consumers. Um, and so we see all the stuff going on, and I look at all the new projects, and I see some of them. They build their communities on Discord, sometimes several thousand, and then the sale happens, and it goes wah, 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 and people don't mm. buy. You know, it's like there's nine thousand four hundred twenty five of 10,000 left after hours and others sell out in a matter of 10 minutes. How long can this variation of generative, um, you know, avatars where there's a community where they're going to add some sort of community value to it without that taking the next step up? And what is that next step up? Cause they're all big, they're all creating DAOs now. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Um, Great, great question. So there's a bunch of things happening at once. And we didn't, I didn't touch this on play to earn, but like there's some stranger dynamics going on, right? Like it's not just that, and I'm not, I'm not being skeptical. I'm rather trying to uh, articulate why and how things are working. So it, it is, it is strange that 40% of the Philippines is, um, you know, crypto native and a bunch of people are playing a video game and earning enough to, to, to do that full time. It's unusual that that's happening. It's, it's, it's a very bizarre symptom and you can trace it if you want. It's not just because uh, Pokemon are valuable. Um, you can trace it all the way back to 2008 and quantitative easing in the Fed, right? So the, the way the cycle goes is um, macro policy is propping up the markets, generating zombie markets that um, appear good, but are, are disconnected from kind of economic reality, like employment and inflation for, for things that matter to people. But you have asset inflation, right? And you don't have downside. And that's accomplished in large part through you know, the 7 trillion printed of the dollar, et cetera, Bitcoin story and so on. So you have a massive risk on environment in the US, which has gone on forever. 
And then from that risk-on environment, you have uh, lots and lots of tail assets like Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and other L1 chains um, becoming extremely valuable, you know, printing billions and billions of assets uh, in value. And so from that, people become wealthy and the wealth effect leads them to invest, continue to invest because now they have money. And so then you get DeFi projects and you get startups and you get, you know, second order sort of um, uh, protocols like Compound and Avi and Maker. And then all of a sudden these things are worth uh, 15, 20 billion dollars. Okay. And so as a, now you, let's say you're a DeFi founder and you have 500 million bucks off of your token. Okay. Well, what do you do? Right. You want to continue to invest and do cool things. And so you start spending, you start spending on status and on uh, differentiating yourself. Right. And um, then you start looking for, for signifiers. Like, are you an OG getting an OG CryptoPunk early is a signal of that because it's not just you're wealthy, but you have knowledge. Right. And so um, then that spills over into the video games and into status and kind of meta, meta, um, the end game of video games and so on. And this starts to snowball to the point where the value um, within things like, um, like, like these blockchain games is, is really high and is sufficient for kind of regular people to incidentally walk into full-time jobs and make a huge living, right? And then all of this is kind of a derivative off a derivative off of a derivative on these like macroeconomic insanity that has been going on. And so, you know, I want to, I, I wanted to go there because you mentioned um, all the avatar stuff. And I, I do think that another 8,000 cartoon animals every three months, doesn't, it doesn't really work. And uh, it's, it's not particularly interesting and I think that people, you, you end up oversaturating the population. Like people run out of patience. Um, you know, I'm so deep in this space and I've got 300 like art NFTs and like I, how much, how much more, the, how often and how much more of the stuff am I going to, I'm going to keep going and keep buying. Right. And so you, you're, you're taking, you're, taking over people's spending power, you're, you're taking over their wallet at some point, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be exhaustion. But I think if you put that to the side underneath, for me, at least there's some legitimate new things going on that, that are different. And that is, um, creators actually just moving their business on chain. And so, so that they're using NFTs as a way to you know, get paid as opposed to subscriptions rather than just looking like something that's valuable that other people got as a signifier. I think that generative art that is like art blocks or ETH block, you know, or a bunch of the stuff that that's on, um, on Hick is, is really cool and different and has value as an art object, you know, the same way that Cubism or constructivism had a lot of value a hundred years ago because it reflected the time. So, um, I think software art is, um, you know, is, is permanently valuable going forward. And then of course, like the, these, uh, bottoms up experiences like loot, where you can start to, um, you, you can start to be, you can start to be in a game, uh, that's very unstructured, um, with 
other people like you and and sort of telling a collective story. And so there's, I guess there's some emergent properties that are quite different from just collecting another cartoon animal for your Twitter avatar. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting space. Some of our listeners, I think, still don't really get the whole NFT and digital asset thing. And I, I tell them, we always say this, it's the advancement of media, in my mind, is what it is. It can be video, audio, text, links. It can be, you know, VR, AR, 360. It can be geolocation-based. It can be time-lapse, time-release-based. It can change over time. It's To me, it's the evolution of media. It can unlock yes. experiences. It can do so many things. What, where do you foresee the utility of NFTs as we move forward? I mean, you got you, you know, you're one of the top minds over at Consensus. You guys are building and creating the future in a lot of cases. Where do you foresee, you know, some of the use cases in the future of NFTs? Yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's a very difficult question because you know we're in this moment, which is. Um, it's like skeuomorphic design. So skeuomorphic design is if you remember when the iPhone came out and you have the the book app and you go to the book app and it looks like a bookshelf, like it's got a wooden background because hey, you're looking at a bookshelf and there are books on it, right? And for for four or five years, the iPhone had this bookshelf background, even though it's you know it's kind of tacky. Like just just give me a PDF on on a white background. Why do I need a bookshelf in my book app? And the reason is it it makes people feel comfortable. It looks familiar. And so I think with NFTs right now, a lot of the things that are being in, invented or that are being, that are popular are things that are familiar. Like we know what they are, you know? And so the, the avatars and the profile picture stuff, we know what that looks like. It looks like a, a video game face that you customize for yourself. Um, or maybe it looks like a country club or a, a flag that you wave around. And, I, and it's very hard to see around the bend and kind of pick it apart. I mean, the my intuition is, is this. I think NFTs are going to get a lot more composable, meaning you can have NFTs that are minted or NFTs that are synthetic, that are not minted, that are just tied to your wallet. Um, you can have NFTs that can be broken up into pieces or, or kept together. Um, you can take economics out of NFTs or attach them to NFTs. That hasn't really happened yet. And then you can have NFTs that control other NFTs. So I can give, you know, I can bundle them around and together. Um, and the, the, the same way that the composability kind of built on top of itself in DeFi. And then the other thing, and we're thinking about this in relation to MetaMask a lot, is this idea of an inventory. And so there's a big difference between... Um, a wallet and an inventory, right? So in the real world, you've got a, well, we used to have wallets in our pockets and our wallets would have uh, money in them. And the money would be an abstraction of your real world value stuff. So you can't carry around your house. You can't carry around your bike and all your clothes, right? You abstract some of this real world value into money. You put it in a bank account and all you have is a number. And then you can translate that between different different things that you need to do in the real world. And so, you know, like digital investing and robo advice and neobanks and digital lending, they're all built around this number of the of the money value system. 
And the early crypto wallets and fungible tokens are like this too, in that you know, there's a unit of account and we keep track of it. And then we have net worth statements and trading and so on. But the main difference is a crypto wallet can also carry all your stuff. It can carry your digital house. It can carry your digital bike and it can carry your digital clothes, right? So everything that is a digital object is also held in your wallet. And so I think this idea of an inventory is something that uh, is going to become more and more apparent, you know, and that's, that's just a seed for how I think the design space is different uh, in crypto land versus how, how it was in, in the older world. Well, and being forward thinking about this, when you look at anything that's come out as a collectible at the time it comes out, it's not necessarily really respected. Like, you know, the first NFTs were actually curio cards. And now that, you know, Gary V has tweeted about them, their value starting to go up. CryptoPunks were given away for free. And now they're the most valuable assets that are out there. I Do you think that if you're looking forward 20, 25 years, that even the projects that fail right now in the beginning are going to be seen as OG and that little communities, uh, you know, are going to rediscover them. And that if you're holding one of these early failed projects, you might actually have a gem. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think the answer is yes. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend that people, you know, I think people should, think about um, uh, their financial health and their mental health when engaging in the space, right? Like just treating everything as a sprint to get the special thing now to flip in a year to be worth 10 million, it, it, you're going to have a bad time, you know? And so if, if you're, if you're taking your disposable income or your entertainment income and putting it into the NFT space and a project doesn't do well, I mean, you don't have to sell it, right? So you're 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 still holding, I guess, that option or or that lottery ticket forward. You know, that said, there's um there's a familiar path for a bunch of this stuff in the sense that like sometimes I feel like uh, a hipster that really loves some indie band, you know, and then that band gets really popular, and then you're just like really you're salty. You hate everyone who likes your band now because like it's mine, <laughs> right? Um, and this is what happened with uh, like early internet culture in the early 2000s. You know, uh, these, these are my like these are my nerd forums. Why are they mainstream? And so things that were really edgy in in the early 2000s transformed into the I can has cheeseburger like website and book, right? So they, they just became kind of pop culture memes, and then that transformed into. Uh, I don't know, like a sitcom and got completely diffused, uh, like declawed. So the things that right now we feel are so cutting edge and maybe so counterculture, you know, I think in 20 years, we're going to have, you know, Congress people wearing uh, unicorn Uniswap shirts, you know, and, and like, I, I just think it's going to be so mainstream that the edge that we think uh, is, is present now is going to become the fabric of our society. And it's, it's also possible it's going to happen much faster than with the internet because uh, you can see it happening 
already at every corner of every industry um, and, and in a way that is just taking over people's minds, right? And so I think that that's going to explode and, and continue to spread. I'm looking at my MLB champions, Travis. I know you got some of those too. That's like, you know, they came out and they were verified and then uh, they went defunct. And I'm like, okay, these things are a piece of NFT history from 2019. In 2018, 2019. Yeah, those those definitely could be. Those are the first, I think the first sports, a first official sports collectible were those MLB champions. Mm -hmm. Sounds rare. Yeah, it's pretty rare. rare. Yeah. I want to ask you this because you, you mentioned something. You said, yeah, in the future, politicians are going to be wearing the Uniswap unicorn and this and that. Where do you think, um, you know, central bank digital currencies are headed? Because it seems to me that a trend is starting the, 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 starting to gain steam. Are we going to when do you expect those to become more mainstream? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but like the, the, the Federal Reserve Bank in Atlanta yesterday, briefly mentioned that they that the, the, oh they that the gdp is is going down the projections for gdp in america are going to be down like 41 percent this year or something crazy and so it's like like oh shit like the, the economy is it looks like it's in the midst of a tank and it's it's like it's not even mainstream people it, it was just kind of a crickets nobody even just kind of this kind of glossed over that and I saw that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, really? Like a 40 percent decrease in GDP. Well, that's what happens when you lock down all these businesses and all this other stuff. Right. And all the business goes to Amazon and Walmart. And so, you know, are, are we going to see because of this covid uh, BS and this whole system that they're, they're setting up this great reset? Are we going to see uh, central bank digital currencies sooner than we originally projected? Um, interesting, interesting. I don't, I don't know the forty percent number. That sounds, uh, that sounds like a Mad Max type of uh, type of outcome. Um, I'm sure there are parts of the country that are hit like that, um, and you know, people are having really unfortunate experiences um, as a result. I, I do think we are. I think the the sort of global projections are in single digit GDP growth, right? So five, six percent type. Um well let me hear but- let me let me let me clarify that. Glenn Beck tweeted it yesterday, which I'm not a big Glenn Beck fan, but he says while America was distracted, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta revised its GDP forecast downward by 41%. Something's crazy going on. So there's a whole bunch of stuff on Twitter about uh some of the stuff that's going on in the Atlanta Fed. I don't know. I just gotcha. Maybe maybe it's like down from you know from six to yeah, to three the, or, or, or right, something right. like that. But um, it's but that's not to say that people aren't having like a, a really, really hard time. And I think um, I, I have empathy for, you know, if if it is if you spent your whole life uh, sort of thinking about a system as being fair and good and then you know, trying to protect it and have, have that system persevere. I I can empathize with that, right? Like I have values. There are things I think are really important. My, my values are around novelty and creativity. They're, they're not about um, necessarily sort of, sort of like severe regulation, but I can understand the, the, the place from which, um, from which, 
various government agencies come and, and what they're trying to accomplish. And um, but that said, the the way the U.S. is structured in terms of um, in the, in the federal government, there there is three or four regulators that touch finance. You've got the SEC, the OCC, the CFTC, and then you've got uh, FinCEN relating to money. You know, so you've got payments, investments, commodities, banking, and then you've got the IRS and the Treasury, and so on. And the OPP. And then, Don't forget the OPP. I, no, I was about to make that same yeah. joke, Joe. So far, <laughs> damn it, it's not a joke. How can I explain it? Not sure. a joke. <laughs> You know, and then you look at every single state. Every single state also has uh, their own regulatory environment, and it's it's a very difficult place to to make progress uh, in in the U.S. and get agreement. All that said, um, central bank digital currencies are a, a giant geopolitical war zone. I mean, it, it's not just about, and I don't mean just in a limiting sense, but it's not. It's, it's not framed only through crypto assets. It's also framed through competition with China, competition or partnership with India, uh, with the Eurozone. And so I think CBDCs are here much faster than we all expect. Um, and I think there's a national interest in getting them out there. You know, so consensus is working with six different entities. We, ha- we have different, six different CBDC pilots. Does that mean they're gonna be there next year? You know, prob- probably not. Um, but does it mean that this is on the agenda of every single government in the world? I, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, the, the one thing I would pause on, though, is if you look at Ethereum, there's 100 billion or more of stable coins there. Ethereum's already dollar denominated. So to the extent that, you know, the American government wants to protect its geopolitical interest, um, encouraging and growing Web3 and Ethereum-based systems would do that for the dollar. I, th- I think it, w- it would protect the importance of the dollar on the global stage. Um, but you know, things are not as easy as me just kind of making a rhetorical statement. I have a feeling we could go on for, uh, for days here, but we actually can't. Uh, so see you in three and a half years, and we'll pick up right <laughs> up here, Lex. <laughs> Uh, dude, thanks for for coming on today and uh, sharing your thoughts. Is a lot of food for thought here, and it will be fun having you back in the future and looking back at these—they're uh, not predictions, but analysis—to see what has happened and if we're all jacked into the metaverse. Um, I mean, we kind of are right now, right? We sit in front of our computers, and the only thing we're missing is the VR headsets all the time. But I got one of those too. I think we're, yeah, we're, we're way more jacked in already than people realize. Just, uh, I guess I just want to be paid for it. There you go. Interesting fella. Lots to say. Smart guy. Many words. Very good. No, you know, he's done a lot of things at Wall Street Journal, The Economist, Bloomberg, Reuters, the American banker, Think Advisor. I mean, this guy is a really sharp dude, regular speaker at like Money 2020, and uh, he was the CMO there at Consensus there for a while. And last time we ch- chatted with him, I think he was at Autonomous Research Autonomous. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sharp dude. Big fan of Lex Sokolin. Go check him out on Twitter, L-E-X-S-O-K-O-L-I-N, or any other place. He's a, he's a friendly chap. We've had a lot of interesting people 
on this show. Um, and in the not too distant future, you're going to hear from uh, Dominic Williams with Definity. They're the guys that um, are behind the internet computer, something we discovered that we are pretty hype about right now. We uh, should have Jihan Wu coming on the show shortly as well. And uh, with all of the people that we have spoken to, there are still a few names on our wish list that have not responded to say yes. And maybe some of you can can tweet these people for us and say, hey, uh, you guys ain't nothing unless you're well, no, don't say that. Just say uh, you guys should go on bad crypto. It'll be the best podcast experience of your life, which I don't think is selling it short. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so who, who are the people? Michael Saylor. Right. We want to have Michael Saylor on the show. Uh, the Winklevi, either one or both Cameron and or Tyler. I mean, they're interchangeable. So uh I know they're individual. The founder of Consensus. Yeah. What was that dude's name? I don't remember his name off the top of my head. <laughs> Google it. I don't don't Google it. Duck duck go it. We don't Google well, it. Well, I, I had a list. I was talking to a dude today and I, I named it off uh, and then I totally forgot. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. You know, we've had uh, we've had Akon on the show. We've had uh, Ja Rule on the show. You know, we're going down the list of rappers. Snoop Dogg turned out that he has over $17 million worth of NFTs in his portfolio. So what up, Snoop? Come on, what and, up, uh, Snoop? Yeah, Joseph uh, Lubin. That's what Joe I was Lubin. Yeah, the Ether Mage. Yeah, the Ether Mage. Yeah, he inspired the uh, the Ether Mage character. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, who else? And then also, I maybe would say go to the Coin Desk or the Coin Telegraph top one hundred crypto influencers of the year. How about Christopher Giancarlo, former uh, CFTC? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that'd be good. He, he just wrote a book. He should totally want to come on the show because he just mm-hmm. he wrote a book. And whenever you write a book, you want to pimp the book and talk about in my book. I talk about in my book. Here it is, because I was ahead of the CFTC yeah. and um, and crypto mom. Uh, Hester, uh, Hester, Hester Pierce, Pierster Hess, Hester Pierce, crypto mom. We because he's kind of known as crypto dad and yeah. Uh, and crypto mom, if the two of them got together, they'd make a shit coin. <laughs> Brian Armstrong of Coinbase. We'd like to have him on. Yeah, he's actually I'm looking at I'm looking at the top 100 list. Number one is uh, Changping Zhao, CZ. We've had him on. Yeah. Vitalik Buterin, number two. We've had him on. Number three on the list, Jihan Wu, who is coming on soon. Woohoo. Uh, number, number four, Barry Silbert, the founder and CEO of Digital Currency Group, parent of Coindesk, Grayscale, Genesis, Foundry, and Luno. We should chat with him. Barry Silbert, come on. Brian Armstrong, Charles Hoskinson, Michael Saylor, Jack Dorsey, Raul Powell, uh, and then Chris Marzalek, who's the CEO of Crypto.com. I believe we've had him on. Would you want to talk to Dorsey? I had a chance to talk to Dorsey in Jamaica back in 2018. Okay. Uh, And uh, I don't think we need to interview him. Uh, My question would be, uh, why are you a dick? Yeah, why are you, like, censoring everybody? Yeah. Why are you you holding to why do you have that stupid beard? What are you, Rip Van Dorsey? <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to tie out for ZZ Top because that one guy passed away? Ow, 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 ow. Gavin Wood. We should have Gavin Wood on. Have we ever talked to Mike Novogratz? I don't know that we have. No, Supernova's not been on the show. So lots yeah, of people. Adam back. We should chat with him. We just gave uh, you guys a, a, a to-do list um, to help us. You know, it's one thing when yeah. we reach out, but it's another when the public says, you guys should go on the show and just tag Kathy at. Wood, CEO, and CIO of ARK Invest. Yeah, All right, Joe stop. Lubin. 
Stop. 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 It's enough. You're going to overwhelm them. They're like, Mark I can't keep That'd be good. Gavin and Reason. Stay bad. Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Elizabeth Stark? Jimmy? <laughs> Somebody tag Jimmy. Jimmy! Jimmy! Jimmy. Get on the show. Get on the show, Jimmy. Jimmy.